okay, by doing this mass migration policy and that um, he is accountable to the people. Wow, this is huge, folks. So we've been hearing this, this that Macron is next, right? Theresa May is not going to come back. We have a massive rally happening right. today called um, Leave Means Leave. The group called Leave Means Leave is doing a huge Brexit rally today. That's still ongoing. You might even, you can jump over and catch it and come back to this video if you want. If you go to Global News on YouTube, you can watch the rally. Uh, Nigel Farage, um, all the other pro-Brexit activists and MPs are speaking at the rally, and it's been really inspiring, basically saying that, um, you know, it's, you know, no. <laughs> that um, we believe in nationalism, we agree with the United States, with their policies of their constitutional rights, um, that they are um, in close, um, uh, in kind, with, um, with English uh, laws, and, you know, basically for the people, okay, for the people of, of, of England. And, um, you know, I want to say the UK, but I am also a, <laughs> I am a nationalist for the smaller countries. So, you know, I've never been a giant fan of, um, of uh, Britain's imperialism in the, um, in the British Isles, what's called the British Isles. Uh, so, but I very much am so excited that this Brexit um, push is sustaining. And basically, there, there was, you know, we had Nigel, Far was it Nigel Farage? One of the MPs said that, you know, you can't declare that 32 million people are extremists, okay, because they voted for Brexit. Uh, they are patriots. They are people who love their country as it is and was and want their national traditions back. So we are now seeing the people in France, after we saw the yellow jacket um, mass revolt, okay, that made Macron roll back, his um, his intense taxes, okay, on on fuel and travel, okay. That now we're also seeing that he is getting challenged on migration, and that his own military is saying you're endangering the entire existence of France. And of course, Macron has already said we want you know we want to merge with Africa, right? We want this to happen. This is the Rothschild banker Macron. Now, interestingly enough. This happens at the same time that we have Franz uh, Timmermans, or his whole full name, you know, let's not, let's not skip out on his whole name here, is Franciscus Cornelius Gerardus Maria Timmermans. And he is the new EU president, right? So he's taken over um, for Juncker. He had served as the vice president um, of the European Commission after being nominated in 2014 as the Dutch um, member, okay, he then immediately, in November of the same year, became um, vice president. And now he is president, and he is espousing full-on totalitarian policies, saying that um, they basically, his plan is to, um, to completely uh, put down any conservative governments, meaning any free governments that are within the EU, um, to, to take away their attempts to um, retain their power or say no to EU unelected uh, policies, unvoted upon, undemocratic policies, um, that he plans to squash them. Now, this guy is a Jesuit. He was educated uh, in Rome. He, uh, yes, he's, so he's from the Netherlands, and he's, you know, from the Labour Party and also the Party of European Socialists. 
okay, and he's definitely sworn to eliminate all the conservative governments in the EU, uh, meaning um, he's going, he's calling himself the European president, okay? Now that means that Juncker can go off to his Betty Ford clinic, right? We have just last night um, him talking about Theresa May, who, you know, we all can't stand, um, basically telling her that her, her dealings with Brexit were nebulous and he was kind of three sheets to the wind and um, then recalled, then said he never said it like three hours later because he didn't remember. Anyway, okay, so, so basically, let's get back to Timmermans, the new EU president. He, um, he was he educated at St. George's English School in Rome. Now, this school is located, like, like you know, just outside Vatican City. Like, you know, hop skip <laughs> into Vatican City. And um, the another famous person you might know who went there was um, John Paul Getty III, or basically known as J. Paul Getty, Paul Getty, the grandson of uh, John Paul Getty, the oil magnate, the one who got kidnapped, okay, and so Timmermans, Franz Timmermans would have been coming into school the same year that um, John Paul Getty was excommunicated, well, he was excommunicated, no, excuse me, he was expelled, <laughs> sorry, he was expelled for graffiti, he, he wrote some major graffiti against the, um, um, against the headmaster of the school, okay, so this is a preparatory school, kind of like the Jesuit school in uh, Georgetown that, you know, people like, um, uh, what's the name, Kavanaugh went to. Okay, similar school, although the one that Kavanaugh went to was the first Jesuit school in all of America. It was, you know, it was, um, you know, two centuries old. This one was only formed in 1958, and this is an expatriate school, uh, St. George's English School, and it very much has to do with um, Europeans educating uh, expats and basically people who are politicians and big wiggers, big deal people in Europe, putting their kids in this school as a place they can stick them for uh, Jesuit training to become little people like who now Franz Timmermans is, who is becoming a little uh, Hitler-esque type person. Uh, so basically, so yeah, so John Paul Getty the third left the same year that he was coming in, which is 1972. Now, we'll have to look more into it. It's a small school. It only has, um, I believe right now, only 862 students, and um, it was only formed in 1958. So we need to get into the Jesuit um, background of Franz Timmermans and, and understand the importance of that right now as we're dealing with this huge fight. Um, in the Jesuit running of the world at this moment um, and the uh, white hat fight against it and what that means. So we're going to get into that in, in upcoming, upcoming videos because this is incredible that we have um, this coming out of the general against Macron, okay, said to be pro-Le Pen, okay, um, said to be anti the European Union tanks, that just came out to subdue the people during the Yellow Jacket upri uprising. And that now we have this new president of the EU that is calling himself the president of Europe, what? saying that he is going to subdue these conservative countries. And let's be clear, that means uh, Poland, Hungary, Austria, uh, parts, you know, Spain, Catalonia, um, it, um, Italy, and now, of course, England and Brexit, and what that means for them. So... 
wow that's huge okay that is huge and you know i'm going to go from there and just kind of transition into you know in poland we still okay we have the end of the conference of the uh cop 24 the climate change conference right and of course we had al gore there um he basically arrived in a blizzard right he was giving his speech there during a blizzard <laughs> because everywhere al gore goes talking about global warming there's some major blizzard happening, right? And right now, there's heavily chemtrailed where I am. I really wanted to be outside today. I hate being inside for my videos. I love being able to give you all the outside experience because I know how much you appreciate it. But it's hugely chemtrailed, and I believe they're trying to make it snow um, where I am, that, that that's kind of the situation at hand. But in Poland, um, they had a massive blizzard while Al Gore flying in in his private jet you know, um, basically came in with a massive carbon footprint and gave um, his piddly speech. And of course, his thing is that he um, he fully endorses the Green New Deal. Okay, it's so, it, it's like you can't, it's so, uh, it's so gross. But, you know, when we think of um, Alexandria um, Ocasio-Cortez, and people have started calling her um, um, Alexandria occasional cortex right because she's constantly saying these things that aren't true she her education is severely limited and then she try to call tries to say that she's going to use her subpoena power against people like uh, donald trump jr for pointing out when she says things that are wrong um like when when um when uh, donald trump jr put out the meme of alexander alexandria saying you know what's wrong with socialism and then he put out the meme of um, his father, Donald, President Trump, saying, um, well, what's wrong with it is because we like to have dogs as pets, not as meals, right? And that's because of the reference to Venezuela and what happened to the poverty of the people starving in Venezuela. And now Venezuela is being hugely partnered with the Chinese. We have a Russia influence there, too. But the Chinese with Venezuela is huge, especially because this migration plot and plan um, I believe very much has to do with the taking over of the southern hemisphere, uh, well, Africa and Central America, specifically Latin America, and parts of South America um, for the use of massive plundering enslaved colonies. And we're going to see, I believe, that all of the countries in Africa that the, that the Chinese are so, and South America are so intensely... Um, taking over become sort of the Australia of you know of England basically um, uh, penal colonies meant to um, to do the work of uh, what they want to mine out of those countries and um, very much run as military um, uh, mass FEMA camp situations you know all you have to do is look at what's happening in South America South America, sorry, South Africa, where we're now seeing this incredible, in such a short time, the literal, um, uh, the, the killing off of white farmers, and white farmers now having to form a, a um, international um, self-protection group saying, you know, on an international level to do with, um, uh, that they're uh, basically announce themselves as an organization for their own self-preservation, that they are going to be retreating into an area to protect themselves against genocide in that country because they are passing laws and this is very much backed by Theresa May and um, 
and the, the British banksters, the Queen, and of course the Chinese, that the white people that have farmed that land for centuries are now getting forced off of it, even though they lived there um, since a time when no um, African um, blacks were living there. And we're seeing genocide, we're seeing massive terrorism against these people. And of course, now this is going to be, if you, once that happens, you'll get a sort of um, Uganda-like, okay, we already saw in Zimbabwe, they took the, the land back, they redistributed the wealth, and it became an absolute horror show. Okay, we saw it in the socialism of Venezuela in a different way. But I just want to tell people, you know, kind of remind them, um, I read this Zero Hedge article recently, and I'll put the links below, about reminding us of Idi Amin, you know, in Uganda, and what happened with the slaughter of people there. And we have, you know, this, the African slave trade originating in Africa. And, and it's I still do believe there is on. an African slavery uh, plan in this whole Agenda 21 future, uh, presented as, um, as all, you know, popsicles and rainbows with, you know, the Green New Deal of Alexandria Occasional Cortex, um, who, by the way, happy Hanukkah, right? Now suddenly she's Jewish, and not only that, but she's also apparently Muslim because she's descended from the Moors. She's descended from everybody. She's like, I am, I am every woman. <laughs> I'm every human. I am everything, and uh, I'm the all-in-one oil, so happy Kwanzaa, happy whatever it is. You know, just, it's such a load of baloney. And this is who we have trying to represent um, this this unthinking mass that they are pushing on us um, to, to believe that um, nothing is true, nothing means anything, and only what they say, only what these idiots, these talking heads say, um, is what matters, and everybody else will be, of course, um, uh, penalized and imprisoned. And so I know I'm jumping off the, the, the cliff there, but, but I think it's really important because we have Peter DeFazio of, of Oregon now coming out saying he's going to promote a, um, a traffic, a basically a tax where you are literally taxed for using your car, period. Just using your car. Okay, they're limiting our travel to that extent. So DeFazio has been a massive, you know, basic socialist in Oregon for decades. And he is now coming full bore because he's now the chairman of the Transportation Committee, okay, in Congress. And this is very, very bad, folks, because, because what it means is that they're going to tax people literally for sitting in traffic. And what's going to come out of this is he wants to mandate that every car has to have a black box in it, okay, that will tell them how many miles you drive, okay, how long you sit idle in traffic, okay, what your speeds are, and where you go, okay? So this is the plan. And not only that, they'll know your every movement, I know they do with your phone already, okay, but this is now your car, where well, you're going to have to pay, of course, for this black box, and, um, it, it's going to be mandated GPS tracking, mandated. So we already know that they have the low jack, that they, that they, you know, were able to pull the switch and kill everybody in paradise and elsewhere. It's absolutely heinous and horrible. We see the assassinations that happened after the um, 
the uh, attacks in Las Vegas when the different people were blown up in their cars who were reporting on what they knew about it. Um, this is how they're assassinating people. And now they want everybody to have to do it. Do you remember that Obama did the cash for clunkers thing way back, you know, what was it, around 2000 and, you know, just after Hope and Change started? He was like, let us pay you for those old clunkers. Get those gas guzzlers off the road. Be part of the hope and change and the solution. And that was all about getting all the cars off the road that didn't have uh, low jack or didn't have GPS or then didn't have this chip that is the, of course, the, um, the Internet of Things related patent, patent, the Circo related patent that is owned by uh, the Clintons, okay, have a big piece in it and were instrumental in getting it um, getting control of it for actually the queen that controls, you know, remote controls every vehicle, whether it's a car, an airplane, a ship, whatever it is, um, it overrides your own commands when, it's, when you're riding a computer-generated car. And if you're riding a car that has Wi-Fi in it, forget it, you're toast. I mean, it's, there, there's no way you can maintain autonomy. And it's getting worse with that with now the Waymo and the, all the other cars that are on the road that are, they're forcing to have these uh, driverless cars. But those, for everybody that's trying to hold out on that, we now have Peter DeFazio saying, no, we're going to put this tax out there. And this tax is going to be the VMT tax, vehicle miles traveled, okay, called congestion pricing, okay, for causing backups. So you just want to get to work, you live in a city, <laughs> you're sitting in the traffic like anybody else trying there in the rush hour, okay, and you're going to get taxed just for driving to work, okay, this is the insanity. Not only that, you're already on a toll road, you're already on a toll road, you got to pay that. The thing is, during the part of the Yellow Jacket um, revolts, they had uh, closed down um, uh, toll roads. That was part of it. Close down the toll roads. We're sick of paying these tolls. We already pay taxes. We pay these tolls and nothing happens with our infrastructure. We don't get it repaired. It's, it's an all piece of crap. The money's going out the window to somewhere else for pay for play. And yet we keep paying these tolls. Well, now on top of paying tolls, they're going to want us to pay tax. And not only that, but the same Spanish uh, companies that own the toll roads in a bunch of Europe, um, in France and in Spain, and especially Catalonia, I think it's called, oh, what is it called? Let me see if I can find it. They also own Centra, okay? They also own um, at least six of the major U.S. tollways, and definitely one in Indiana, another in Texas, uh, and probably um, in the all the, you know, interesting, well, I'll try to find out more about where they own them, but they own our toll roads. What the heck? How can this be? So in the United States, our toll roads are owned and run for giant long leases between 50 and 75 and 100 years to these non-U.S. companies. And so now we have in the infrastructure, we have Pete DeFazio saying, well, let's tax them on top of it. And he has great pals with uh, um, Elaine Chow, okay, whose parents are the huge shipping and port magnates out of China or born in Taiwan, but her parents have huge business in China. And then we have, uh, of course, Mitch McConnell and all the pay-for-play there, connected with Feinstein and the rest of it. And, and it's all just interconnected. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up because I know I get to going on long. But I just want to tell you a couple more things about this, which is that this, um, uh, this vehicle 
Oh, so it just makes me so mad. Vehicle miles traveled tax. Okay, they're going to be now shifting. I don't know if you remember, but like two years ago, they started offering this insurance where you could save for the less miles you travel, right? And this was just trying to entrain you to, to go less places, drive your car less, um, to save money for insurance. Well, now they're going to be doing all insurance that way. That's the new thing that's coming, that um, you, get, you have to pay more insurance if you travel more miles. So it's no longer that you're just paying insurance in case you hit somebody, right? You're just paying insurance in case there's some, like, giant, you know, something, the, the bridge you're driving over breaks and your car falls in the water. No, now you're paying insurance, okay, for driving at all, just for driving, <laughs> just for traveling miles, okay? You're going to pay more insurance that somehow your insurance is based upon the fact you're driving more. Oh my gosh, one person's driving 500 miles uh, a month, the other person's driving, you know, 5,000 miles, and so that person is dangerous, and we're going to charge them for more insurance. Insane, because of course the opposite would be true, because obviously the people that drive more have are better drivers. They have more experience. They have more experience in driving. Anyway, that's just one aside. And so, okay, the other thing that's going to happen when this happens with these black boxes they're going to put in your car is that they are going to speak, they're going to ensure that your car, okay, what they call vehicle-to-infrastructure communication, meaning your car with this black box is going to talk to uh, the police, it's going to talk to the toll thingies. It's going to talk to what they call infrastructure, okay? And it's also going to do vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communication, meaning it's going to talk to the other black boxes in the other cars, just like your smart meters talk to all the other smart meters. And it's going to basically be, come with a kill switch that shuts down your car, okay? So it could give you automatic tickets for speeding, automatic um, uh, raise, raising your insurance rates for speeding, raising your insurance rates for going through a stop sign. I mean, the entire thing. And of course, this will incorporate the Dragonfly type system where they use all the traffic cameras and the rest of it. Whew. So I'm going to leave it there because we're at 26 minutes. But folks, this is where we're headed. Okay. And this is why it's so important why we have this incredible rising up in Europe. And of course, the ongoing fight for Brexit. Um, and why we need to be the ones getting out there in this country, how they are in Europe. Because look what's happening. Now we're having Macron looking at being taken out of office by these generals, saying, accusing him of treason. Why can't we get this to happen in this country? In the Brexit rally today, they're saying, why aren't they trusting the people to run their democracy? That's what it's supposed to be. And that's what it's supposed to be here, folks, except they try to pretend all of the liberal crazy, the Green New Deal that wants to drive your car for you and take your rights away, okay, who wants to just make us all a multicultural uh, destabilization zone, okay, so they can have slave camps in the places that they empty out, that is what we need to stop by insisting upon running our own democracy, and we can only do that, our own republic, by getting involved at the local level, by getting out on the street, okay, and insisting on communicating with the people around us and doing it under the terms of the Constitution. Education, okay, right? Um, uh, goodwill, getting out there during the holiday season now, during Christmas, and getting out and, and helping uh, people in your community, right? 
um, basically doing good. We need to do good, okay? Whether it's about saving our republic or helping each other, we have to put out the battle cry, but also put out um, the 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 um, the brotherhood and sisterhood, right? Putting out the 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 willingness to be there and do our part, but beyond our part right now. It's required, it's needed. So folks, I'm gonna leave it there. I could go on and on, you know me, I kinda rattle. But um, it's only because I'm inspired, I'm inspired by what people of the world are doing, we're fighting, we're all fighting. Now, um, we know that, you know, Q has said, um, the gold will take down the Fed, we know they're planning to crash the Fed, we know they did the fake, all of those fake, um, uh, BOM, BOMB things um, across the country uh, yesterday and Canada. Uh, we had the Mike Pompeo and uh, Commissioner Freeland talk today where, well, in Canada, and now here I go, I always have to do my extra few minutes. <laughs> well, okay. So they had, yesterday there were all these fake, um, uh, fake BOMB uh, threats that were sent by email all around the country to like 36 locations in Chicago alone. 14 different cities. Um, I know it was LA, Chicago, Portland, multiple places, Boston, New York. And I know that um, uh, different ferries, um, uh, small airports, uh, railways. Um, and this was all with these Bitcoin threats that you must pay by Bitcoin or we're going to uh, you know, detonate these BOMBs. And of course, you know, now they're having the Bitcoin shakedown, right? And, you know, this is FF's all written all over it, right? It's just like, okay, whatever about the, the crypto and, and whatever it is they're doing with this um, this fake scenario that they that they pulled yesterday. It still remains to be seen. Now, um, in the Q post, we have Q saying, you know, the, um, the you know, we've got the gold. Um, it's going to bring down the, the Federal Reserve Banks, the private bankster cabal. Um, and people are saying, well, what do they mean? What do they mean? And, you know, a lot of people are saying that the Paradise California thing was about gold. And, you know, for me, uh, there, there's definitely gold in that area. Okay, the Oroville Dam, right, is said to house enormous amounts of gold um, within that area of, of the Oroville Valley where that dam was created. That was the gold rush area. Okay, we also know that, like, uh, you know, the Grand Canyon is said to hold an enormous amount of gold, and there's huge parts of the Grand Canyon that people aren't allowed to, uh, to go into. All of these things, we don't know. We don't know. All we know is that we can take care of each other. We can make sure we're ready for any surprises coming our way. So you are free. Help the people around you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And... Um, Please say prayers for us. I would be so appreciative. It would mean the world to me because um, she really needs them. So prayers for us. And uh, if you want to help the channel, folks, we have a great giveaway with C60 Purple Power. Purple Power! Power. <laughs> Tyler Power Powers Radio. That was UR Free TV. Check her out. And this is Free my update for Thursday, December 13th. Those of you who are There's following along at home redundant. and want to it, check out QPosts, you can find them on QMap.pub and a number of other uh, websites. If you have an Android phone, you can get QAlerts on your phone uh, in the Play Store. QDrops, QAlerts are both available, not available for iPhones.
My theme for this update is, at what point do people wake up? On the 9th, Q posted this. Uh, on the left-hand side, we have a bunch of pictures. It's kind of a collage of photographs of people in France uh, wearing the yellow vests who are involved in the protests. And a lot of them have uh, Q uh, either written on the vests or they've got Q patches. Um, a lot of Q support there in France. And then we also have a picture of someone with a Q, where we go one, we go all uh, poster at the South Pole. Q wrote, the world is watching. United, not divided. Together we win. Where we go one, we go all. Q and the president have been coordinating with posts and tweets recently. A couple days ago, uh, Air Force One actually flew under the call sign Q0. And if you know where zero is on your phone, it's also the same button used uh, for the plus, and we know Q plus is the president. A tweet by the president about Scott Free, uh, if you check it out and go to the Wikipedia page, it will lead you to the company that produced the film White Squall, where the phrase, where we go one, we go all, comes from. Q and the president are providing these intel drops to us, so we can see what's happening behind the scenes without violating national security laws. The coincidences help verify the source of the information. That is the subject of this next post by Q. It's a very large graphic. Unfortunately, some of these graphics don't translate real well to the computer screen. Q posted links to a couple of threads on 4chan, and I'll explain what those are about here in just a minute, and then wrote Scott Free, where we go one, we go all, Air Force code change, Q0, Q+. Q and POTUS Twitter, zero delta exchanges, Fake news coordinated attacks, number two only to POTUS. How do you safely and securely communicate through a back channel with the public and bypass the fake news media? How do you safely and securely communicate without breaking the law and violating national security? Add multiple layers of coincidences which mathematically prove legitimacy. It's outside the standard deviation. At what point do people wake up? These graphics are actually kind of interesting. This is an explanation of the one at the top. Patriotic Pepe was a Twitter account uh, in 2016 that uh, had a few followers and actually got retweeted by the president. So Pepe tweeted out a meme. This was on July 30th of 2016. And uh, the president retweeted the meme. And here's the tweet. Here's a link. You can go and see the original tweet if you want. Then... Pepe reports back to the Anons on 4chan that Trump retweeted him. This is the 4chan post where he said, it's happening, bros. I repeat, it's happening. There's a link to Trump's tweet, and you can see this meme here. So Donald Trump, who has apparently been lurking on 4chan for a long time, wrote back, I tweeted this to show I listen. This is the only post I will make. Well, actually, sir, it was not the only post you're going to make because... A few hours later, at 2.35 in the morning, I think, this Anon said, posted this meme, Mr. Trump, if you actually do lurk here and you like this meme, please use the word amazing in your next tweet. This will be a wink and a nod on the down low that you appreciate all of us here. Thank you, Mega. And uh, so, sure enough, a couple hours later, the president tweets out, Colorado was amazing yesterday. So much support. Our tax, great energy reforms will bring great jobs to Colorado and the whole country. All right. So here is a graphic of 
the two posts. Top one, you can see July 30th, 2016 at 02.35 in the morning. Use the word amazing. And then down below you can see the president's tweet is at 5.53 a.m., same day, July 30th, so it's about uh, two and a half hours later. Knowing that the hammer is about to drop, John Podesta and his friends are trying to get ahead of the Clinton Foundation news by writing articles clearing him of any involvement in the Pizzagate conspiracy. <laughs> Podesta posted this tweet, so a retweet of Andy Kroll, who posted a link to an article. And Podesta said, let the 4chan lunatics and QAnon crazies commence. So <laughs> Q posted a link to Podesta's tweet and said, define projection. Define getting ahead of the story. What is scheduled to happen this week? There is a Clinton Foundation uh, hearing happening right now. Coincidence? Panic? This is as real as it gets. No escape, no deals. Add Brennan to the graphic and update. Evil has no place here. This is the meme, uh, now that Russia inclusion is a proven lie, when do the trials for treason begin, that the president retweeted, uh, I think a week or two ago. So one of the anons updated the graphic, put uh, Brennan behind bars. Q said, thank you, Patriot. Fire at will. Q has been telling us for some time that we need to learn how to engage in meme warfare. So fire at will is a directive to get your memes going. All right. Uh, former CIA director John Brennan, speaking of John Brennan, has been lashing out at the president on Twitter. Tony Schaefer saw through Brennan's projection, pointed out he's the one who should be frightened. Whenever we see you tweeting like a seditious clown, John Brennan, we know you're projecting your guilt and corruption in your own vile effort to continue to deceive the American people. You know how much blood you have on your hands and the treason you've committed TikTok. So Q posted a link to that tweet and said, public awakening equals game over. This was posted on the 11th, uh, on the 11th of last year, a Bangladeshi man detonated a pipe bomb in a Manhattan subway. Q reposted a graphic showing how he had warned us in advance that that was coming. On the 9th, Q posted tangent, expand your thinking, Q. Then on the 10th, Q posts blunt and direct time. Later on the 10th, Q posts false flags. POTUS is 100% insulated. Expect fireworks justice. That was on the 10th. And in the morning of the 11th, the uh, Bangladeshi man detonated the pipe bomb. Q posted this, the times are too grave, the challenge too urgent, and the stakes too high to permit the customary passions of political debate. We are not here to curse the darkness, but to light a candle that can guide us through that darkness to safe and sane future. That is a quote from JFK. Q posted a link and a meme done by Ben Garrison. Uh, it's about nationalism and globalism and how uh, Emmanuel Macron and the globalists in Europe are kind of getting their butts kicked. <laughs> All right. Q posted this. The plan to have the Fed, Federal Reserve raised rates, in brackets, steep incline beginning March 2019. In an effort to kill the economy prior to 2020, presidential election is known and planned for. Structure change coming. Q has previously suggested that Trump has plans to restructure the Fed, but now we know that the Fed is actually trying to sabotage the economy in order to keep Trump from getting uh, reelected. Obviously, uh, it's not in their best interest to have someone like Trump in charge, especially since Trump has hinted that he would like to go back to the gold standard and 
severely reform the Federal Reserve. Uh, this is an old post from April and the DOJ to obtain more documents, perhaps the original ones. So it's an unfortunate situation, but it was evidently necessary. The Daily Caller submitted a request to have the FBI's search warrant and related documents uh, unsealed. This is a motion by U.S. Attorney opposing that request. Q posted a link to that document and wrote, read carefully, why is the Clinton Foundation back in the news? We've talked about this and Q has been asking this question repeatedly. It's because I believe uh, Q and the president want to create a news cycle where people are aware that the Clinton Foundation is about to be prosecuted. Names of whistleblowers being leaked or put out for strategic reasons. Normally a whistleblower is protected and shielded from all non-essentials classified. How do you protect a valuable witness like a whistleblower? How do you protect the chain of custody of evidence? Name identified publicly, FBI intrusion leads to a lawsuit, which leads to a response to the lawsuit, public revealed. Otherwise, all that information will be sealed. Moves and counter moves. Q. We're going to get back into that. When Q clock activated. I'm guessing that's when they put into motion their plan to have the military uh, end up building the wall. France, notice a pattern. Q. Q, I think, is suggesting this might be a false flag to divert attention away from the growing civil unrest in France. Q posted this. POTUS, NSA, United States Military, G, I think that means generals, the Freedom of Caucus, foreign and domestic patriots, since 2015 have been fighting to save the world. Q. The world is changing, my friends. Can you feel it? Let's move into part two. An Australian jury found Cardinal Pell guilty on five charges of historical child sexual offenses going back decades. Uh, Q posted links to three news articles noting that in all those articles, the Australian press had been uh, gagged and unable to report on that uh, conviction. Q wrote in brackets, Cardinal Pell, dark to light. Q. Q posted a link to a Trump Hotels tweet, which is kind of a fun little video about uh, some decorations they did inside Trump Hotel in this elevator. They decorated with gingerbread, uh, created a mantle, put some stockings on it. Q wrote, trolling the fake news media is fun. Enemy of the people. Q. Tell you about the time. They said I couldn't do it, folks. But yes, Trump is demanding $5 billion for a border wall. And as you can imagine, Democrats would rather release Obama's original Kenyan birth certificate than give Trump that wall money, which is why this meeting turned into an absolute mess. You want to shut it down. I, you no, keep no, talking no, no, about no. it. The last time, Chuck, you shut it down. No, no, no. And then you opened 20 it up times. very quickly. And 20 times. I don't want to do what you did. You have the vote. You should pass no, it. No, we don't have now. the vote, because in the Senate we need 60 no, votes. No, no, but in the House. And we don't you have could bring it up right now. Yeah, but I then. can't, excuse me, not threaten to shut down the government. You you, let me just finish. Because you can't get your way. If we have border security, if we don't have border security, Chuck, we're not going to keep it up. You just said it is effective. Can I tell you? Yeah, you just said without it's a wall. Let me tell you something. You just want a big victory. Elections have consequences, Mr. President. Let me just. 
the wall could fit in between the part in Nancy Pelosi's hair. But anyway. That's right. And that's why the country is doing so well. You can do border security without a wall, which is wasteful and doesn't solve the problem. Something happening with Pelosi. I don't know. She solves the problem. And we've gained in the Senate. Nancy, we've gained in the Senate. Excuse me. Did we win the Senate? We won the Senate. When the president brags that he won North Dakota and Indiana, he's in real trouble. Why does Chuck Schumer keep talking to the camera? <laughs> They're having an argument, and he's like a character in an episode of The Office. He's like, now the president is doing this right now. But honestly, watching these three go at it for 20 minutes, it felt like being in the, in the TV room of a nursing home, which is old people fighting. It's oh. my turn with the remote. You had the remote yesterday. I don't like Rachel Ray. She's too ethnic. Give me oh. that remote. And my what favorite part of this Kyla? awkward threesome they was Mike Pence. <laughs> because you might not have even noticed him. Because he didn't say a word the entire time. He just sat there motionless. Could have been an like a guy whose edibles just kicked in. It was like... I mean, like, you got to wonder what he was thinking about while everyone was arguing. He was probably just daydreaming about, I don't know, whatever it is that Mike Pence daydreams about. Eating people? I don't know. I don't know. We're going to keep it open. If we wow, he really is not moving. He's really not moving. Yeah, that seems about right. Seems about right. I don't know. Anyway, this, this meeting went on for a while, and by the end, they hadn't come any closer to an agreement. And the reason there was so much bickering wasn't just the war, what right? Was it? It's that if they don't agree on a government funding bill, it could lead to a partial government shutdown, yeah. right? Which would mean things like the FDA, uh, the, the FDA would stop inspecting food plants, right? The SEC would halt new investigations, and hundreds of thousands of government workers wouldn't get paid. Like everything from the FBI agents all the way to the TSA. Yeah, and if the TSA doesn't get paid, that might put them in a bad mood. Yeah, that's right. You've been <laughs> seeing them in a good mood. <laughs> Whenever you have the airport, that's them in like a really, like if they're in a bad mood, they're gonna be like, hey, do you have a gun on you? And you'd be like, no, and they'll be like, here, take this one. <laughs> so needless to say, no politician wants to take the blame for a government shutdown. But Donald Trump is not a politician. What? Donald Trump is a moron. We do not want to shut down the government. We want to come to an agreement. We're coming in in good faith to negotiate with you about how we can keep the government no. open. Nancy Pelosi is a moron. Did you just hear what she was saying? We disagree. I am proud to shut down the government for border security. Shut up, Because down. the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So <laughs> We already I got enough people with a lot of problems. Take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. I don't know if you realize how monumental this moment is. Donald Trump just agreed to take blame for something. This is the same guy who keeps Mike Pence around just to blame farts on. You realize that, right? Trump is running around eating hard-boiled eggs like, ew, gross, Mike, you have a problem. Yes, sir, I'm disgusting. So today, today I'm proud of President Trump because taking blame shows some personal growth on his part. Although if we're being honest, he probably just thinks that if the government shuts down, there'll be nobody there to impeach him, which is the second thing he asked Santa for.
up, but Welcome, one and all. that was, oh, let's just block that out for the moment. Baby, uh -uh. let me explain to you what I'm saying. What you saying? It's not even like that. It wasn't like that, but I'm I trying to understand baby, what that was, but anyway, that's just an interlude right now. Kyle Powers Radio. to that. <laughs> that would have been a rock. <laughs> what if I had drank that? That would have been like toxic. Oh my god. You trying to kill me for something? Oh my god. Don't you drink it. No, I never tried. Yeah, you weren't gonna drink it. Keep camper away from you. Oh no. <laughs> She's laughing. Yeah, she knows he's cracked. Bring us some figgy. I have never seen anyone bring any figgy pudding to anybody at any point in time. Figgy pudding. That's what he's saying. Figgy. Figgy pudding with the figs. But who eats that? Well, I'm not going to either. Cause... Oh, I meant to get this stuff in a banana pudding. Oh, color. Oh, oh, good, okay. I mean, no, that's bad, but I'm saying I was going to get the, I was going to make you the banana. I was going to make that. I can't. I didn't have the ingredients. So delightful. Since I know a place to go. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Doesn't show sign of stopping. I'm supposed to go, but I'm so congested. Let it snow, let it snow. I sound good enough. I might go. Hate go, but you said it's gonna, it's gonna snow tonight. It's gonna rain for sure. I didn't want to take my equipment out in the precipitation. Damn, Daddy, I needed a cart and I didn't get it. What's wrong with me? Why do I have a school bus here? I need a cart. You got a cart? A cart to push my equipment in when I sing. They're on the eggnog. Already. They're on it. I can tell. He looks like he eats them. 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 He eats them.
And then, you know, has a uh, momentum uh, center sensors blockchain. and all kinds AI. of stuff, right? Well, if, if you were to take all those along with people's typing habits, like the way you scroll, the, the how hard you hit, the frequency between how you tap, you know, all the different patterns that you as an individual have combined with all the orientation, the phone, if you mix all that together, you get behavioral biometrics. And essentially, they allow that as an extra part of the authentication process, along with putting in a PIN or your private keys for crypto, whatever, you, you help to authenticate in to make sure it's you. And that could be a good thing, right, if that prevents uh, loss or theft or whatever, or fraud. But it's also like if it's running on your phone all the time, then, uh, wow, what an amazing amount of data that the sensors are relaying somewhere else, you know. Um, and being uh, being tracked along with all the other stuff you do is just how you we'll do it, tracked. how you operate, and you know Bad. how you. Um, geez, like if your website, you Thank know, you the, where's your eyeballs right on the page, and you know, how long do you spend on this? It's just it's crazy the amount of information. That's why it's that's what the AI is. You can see like the more you think about the amount of data that has to be managed in order to manage people. Uh, it's there's going to have to be an enormous amount of AI because humans are not going to be able to sort through this and uh, effectively be able to uh, manage society in the way that the um, current establishment likes it. Well, they'll have your AI or your DNA record either through your eye or whatever kind of scan, and they'll know what computer you're on. They'll they'll have you totally tracked. Yeah, well, you know, even in your PC. You, you know, you you don't really think about it. Like you probably think the software, hope the software is clean, but you know, the, the processor in there has remote execution engine, which is great if you're a corporate America and you want to lowjack your, your a notebook's been stolen and you want to turn it off remotely or whatever. And that could be a good feature, but it also could be a bad feature because what else is going on in there? So like you, you don't even own, you don't even own your own PC, you know, somebody else could flip on, uh, even when it's in sleep mode or, you might think it's powered off your notebook. Someone could flip it on through an internet packet and, you know, away you go. You know, the internet, people are talking about there being an on-off switch. And I always say there there isn't an on Not unless you mess around with all the electronics everywhere or there's some kind of virus or something. Because there, people are getting confused thinking there's just an on-off switch with the internet. There isn't. There could be a, a large virus or there could be an electronic outage or there could be some kind of weird thing. But can you explain that, what your view is on that? Um, well, yeah, there's, I don't, there wouldn't be one on-off switch, but, um, you know, you got to imagine that the uh, the main uh, router hubs in the world for the internet, you know, they have um, taps, essentially, that bleed off packets so that intelligence agency can read them. But the question is, how? what else do they have, right? I have a few more great gift ideas from Patriot Supply. One of the most important survival tools of all time, this incredibly lightweight sleeping bags has the power to protect you from the number one killer in a crisis, exposure to elements. This emergency bag also reflects 90% of your body heat back to you thanks to its durable space age material. This ingenious device helps you keep practically anyone warm and dry in bad weather. Next, I have this designer knife, and it's normally quite expensive, 
Thanks to Patriot's liquidation sales going for as little as $19.99, it has a thick and sturdy 3.6 half serrated high carbon stainless steel blade. It's incredibly sharp and will cut through anything you put in its path. It features a dual-sided thumb stud for easy, lightning quick one-handed opening. This impressive blade is over-engineered, so you can treat it like dirt and never once worry it's going to fail on you. This knife feels like an extension of your own hand. Plus, its rubberized grip stays sticky when it rains, keeping it firmly locked in your hand. These are great gift ideas. Look for the links below. Well, it would have to be a hack job into the servers, and maybe they have arranged it, but it's a very decent, the internet's really decentralized. So it would have to be, and there's a lot of private dark networks everywhere. So it would have to be some kind of viral or electric attack somehow. Uh, well, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of components here. You, I mean, even, you know, if you've got a cable box or a router on, and thereafter, um, you know, home router, those things could be owned. Your PC's got remote execution. The main uh, hubs are the internet. And then if you go to the power system, well, you know, we're not we're not in good shape with our power grid, right? Um, and then, you know, who knows what kind of software is driving that. Well, that's a hack job. I mean, it'd be a viral hack job where you go in and you hack all the different decentralized, but then you would be doing some kind of electric. It'd be like taking down the electric grid. It's not an on-off switch in the way that people think of on-off switch. It's a... No, it'd be a... Be it's a mass a attack. Of, yeah. Yeah, suite of, of things. And then there's DOS and all this other kind of but stuff. But it could happen in that way. Yeah, I mean, uh, it wouldn't be 100%, but certainly if yes. someone really wanted to apply all the techniques all at one time, it would be a complete disaster. Use the for a little bit of time with backup generators, but you're... Yeah, it's, it's gotten bad. worse, and unfortunately, it looks like Let's um, see what else. 5G and just in general cell phones. I don't know if you've had on you know these points on your on your show before. One is the uh, the antennas um, for 5G. Um, so if you ever if have you heard the term uh, phased array in any of your guests yet? Uh, yes, Mark okay. has talked about it. It's but we haven't really gone into it in deep. Okay, so let, let me just give a, a little, uh, little, little overview here. So if you hear planar, that might be like a two D phased array, or just phased array might be a linear. It's just a, like you could pit, picture a whole bunch of little antennas, and with a bunch of antennas sending signal through with the right phase and amplitude, you can create a beam pattern. So most the the absorption you hear SAR ratings, S A R, the absorption. This is complete crock in um, in cell phones. You know, it's like, oh, the SAR rating is safe or whatever. Well, if you have an antenna and it has a spherical antenna pattern, which is the most simple way to think of it, it's like a bubble, right? You know, you could figure out the energy density at any one point, how much is going through your head, what's absorbed. Well, phase array changes things around. A phase array creates a beam pattern, which could... The good side would be it could make it more efficient, less battery, because your cell phone can, like if, for example, if it knows where the tower is, you can make a beam pattern going toward the tower. So instead of, you know, sending signal where it doesn't belong, you'll just send it to the tower. But here's a problem. That beam pattern could be going to your eyes or your head. Well, and that's the problem. It's a directed beam instead of, exactly. and that's yeah. the whole problem with it. And, he, and Mark explains that yeah. in detail. He just doesn't use that word all the time. I mean, he does, but not, you know. The there's the there's the directed part which will send more energy in a more dense pattern but there's something else to understand is that like if i take two or three stones and i throw them into a pool 
you'll see the wave patterns. And when they intersect, you notice that they go really high for a moment and like maybe really low. Well, that's that's another problem is that if you look at the pattern that comes from a phased array, you'll notice that there are some real low areas like zero in terms of power. And then there's some real high areas. And if that high area happens to be like in your eye or your brain, and it, it probably will be if you look at the ripple and how they intersect, you can have like sort of standing wave patterns. They could be giving an area of your brain or your eye a hundred times the power that something else is receiving. So, um, uh, thus you know, the cancer, huge, that's, that's oh, the babies dying. That's the well, amplified, amplified. And then another problem is that there's, there's, um, research been going on for a while that, um, so we, you know, people think, well, there's a field strength is safe. Well, just think about the field strength of your cells. It's really low, right? Just an individual cell. Sometimes when you get down to really low power levels and you're at around the field strength of the cell, um, really bad things happen that are worse than when the power level is even higher. Oh, <laughs> you're, really? You're, now that I haven't heard. You're, um, I'll, I'll send you a link so that um, okay. you can you know, attach it to this video or whatever if you want. Um, I'm trying to think of the um, doctor's name. Leif, L-E-I-F, and I'll think of Selford, S-A-L-F-O-R-D, Leif Selford. Uh, would be a good place to start. I want to talk about how a positive um, outcome in the blockchain and ID space. Um, but it, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, uh, uh, privacy mobility of data. So if I have something in my house, then there's like search, search and seizure type, whatever's remaining of that, um, you know, and kangaroo courts to get access to it. But, um, uh, but whatever we had there, you know, like if I put my data on an internet provider, oh my God, you know, I can have access to it. Well, why, right? We need portability of our, of our, you know, like I, I just call it data portability or privacy portability. And that, you know, goes to encryption as well, which is uh, Australia pretty much just backdoored everything in an encryption. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, we, you know, if we don't, people need to think about it, like what happened when the Bill of Rights happened and why it happened, but in the digital age and just put all that shadow banning and everything in like a new digital Bill of Rights. And um, Well, you know what they're doing, which is, and I knew about this like five years ago, I covered it uh, when I first started. I said, I've been doing this on the internet and YouTube for a couple of years and then just audio for three years before that. But I covered um, some of the stuff they're doing where they're routing the network data out of our country through anywhere else, you know, mm -hmm. Panama or wherever right. they're uh, routing it through. And as soon as it leaves our country, they have full access to it and they yeah. can follow the law and then they route it back. Yeah. Well, they do that with spying, right? The countries have reciprocal agreements with each other that spy on the other country's citizens and then it's not, you know. Yeah, they spy spying. on us, we spy on them, and then we give them that That's data. And then it's not. Scam. Yeah. It, I, here, here's my overarching uh, observation. If they can, they will. So the only way to prevent bad stuff is to make sure they can't. And who are the biggest culprits at this point? The government? The cabal? I mean, it's like we have a mob cabal that's running everything and we are doing what... That's why I don't like big governments because now we got this big ruling cabal that is a government and they're protected by the government and we're screwed pretty much. How do we deal um, with that? Well, besides the digital bill rights and the GitHub for lawmaking, um, Here's something that's a positive in, in the identification space. So what the establishment would, would like, by contrast, is what I call centralized ID. And as they administer the ID and it's just pure access to it. And, you know, you just open book essentially to them. But the centralized ID 
which is even a, a W3C, that's the web body, web standards body. It's a standard, so I mean, there's no reason not to have it. Here's the way it works. You start with an official government ID to make sure we know who you are, and then you onboard into this decentralized ID system. And thereafter, you, whenever, whatever digital relationship you have, so just to give an example, like let's say I was going to buy a bottle of booze online, some online retailer for booze, and I need to prove that you know I'm a, of a certain age, right? That's a digital relationship there. They don't need to know like all this stuff about me right? to prove who I am. They just need to know I can prove that I'm like a citizen or whatever and I'm a certain age. Well, I can do that through, through this. I can control that relationship and they get nothing else. They don't even need to know what age I am. They just need to know I can prove I'm above 21 or what have you. Oh, sure. Right? So yeah. we can do that with decentralized ID. So you take back the sovereignty of your digital relationships. Every single, like with Amazon's a different one, with the post office or buying an e-tailer, you know, if you get a license or something, every single thing you can control down to the minimum of transaction that's needed for the transaction. And this would have to go into the Bill of Rights that we, we demand that we have access to the centralized ID so that we control our identification. Because if you think about it, like you go apply for a mortgage or loan, they want all this garbly gook about everything, right? Yeah, what's it to you? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's just so much superfluous stuff that's being just dumped on, you know, into everybody's uh, file storage cabinet that you don't control. Uh, but we can take that back with decentralized ID. Um, I think, to me, I think it's one of the most important technologies we have in blockchain and even in the internet space today is decentralized ID. Well, let's talk about Bill Denny because he was saying with NSA, they could essentially do a lot of that with metadata and not spy on everything that we're doing, right? And it's not the exact same concept technology-wise as this, but he's essentially saying we do metadata and not know the details of you. We just know specific things that are important and as long as you cross that mm. threshold, then right. we'll go into that data, right? Right. Yeah, I got it. It's got but, a Disney analog there. Yeah, yeah. To some extent. And he has this whole thing written, but they don't care. They could have done that years ago, and they won't do it. So now, do you think they'll ever do that with this? I mean, do we just have to have a groundswell of enough people saying, BS, you have to do this, the Bill of Rights? You think that will get it going? If I had to guess, I, uh, well... <laughs> I would say that some smaller country that's a little bit more off the reservation is going to do these things that I'm saying first, like a digital bill of rights, um, uh, you know, essentially a mandate for decentralized ID, all these goodies, right? They're, they'll be done by some other country that's not so, the U.S. is so damn controlled. Um, it probably happen somewhere else, and then that may create a groundswell um, that will kind of feed back here. I mean, I, w I would rather do it here um you know who's who's gonna start it in government i i don't know i mean even like for the crowdfunding uh regular regulatory uh changes that happened that even i was part of um at the time we had the um it was actually you know as much as <laughs> not big on all these agencies but the white house had the office of science and tech and i think that was eliminated when trump rolled in as part of um i'm not saying good or bad it's just trying to you know eliminate a lot of government it's kind of too bad because um, you, there just needs to be some champion who's essentially like looking at all these issues going forward and and, and essentially uh, getting growing the seed for them, you yeah, know, getting they don't the whole get ball it. rolling. Yeah, yeah they don't get it. Yeah, well, exactly. 
Well, in medicine, we've come to the point where all advancements in medicine have to help happen elsewhere. I mean, yeah. literally. I mean, it, and they, the people in medicine will claim up and down. You know, some people will say, no, that's not true. But the people in advanced medicine, they all say the same thing. They cannot get patents through and, and with humans. They can do it on animals or other things. But to actually really get it going, it's much easier out of the country. Yeah, well, <clears throat> in general, everything destructive is profitable for, uh, you know, for the kind of capitalism we have today. So. Um, yeah, that includes, uh, you know, good health isn't very profitable for healthcare. <laughs> so it's not surprising. It's medical tourism, you know, is a reason for that. <laughs> well, but you know uh, what? It, I don't want to give up on the United States. I think what happens is enough of these people, medicine, medical tourism, all these, it's giving opportunities to all these other countries to make money because it's crappy here. So people leave to get their medicine. They leave to get, you know, they leave to get, um, they'll eventually leave when it comes to, if you do the ID thing, just to have freedom, they'll have to leave. But enough people leave and all the brains and the best and the brightest leave this country, they're, they're going to have to wake up. Yeah, I, st I still hold out hope myself. I mean, because the thing is that um, really complicated systems have a have a way of going uh, uh, nonlinear really fast. And we have an extremely complicated system in a, in a complicated country. So there's there's sort of, you know, the barbell strategy of investing. Things kind of happen on different ends, ends of the spectrum. Here would be maybe a small country might do a digital bill of rights and some of these things we're talking about. And maybe the U.S. will go nonlinear and things will happen here, too. Sort of um, two, two, two approaches that, that might happen. And I, I'd like to see both of them happen at the same time. It would be great. Actually, it would just be great to happen all over the place. Because without, without a digital bill of rights, it's not even, it's not even worth it's considering. Annoying. It's total chaos. We're, yeah, I agree yeah, with you. And, it, you know, the sad thing is uh, the world's left to essentially listening to the thoughts of Elon Musk and people like that to um, kind of tell us about AI and concerns we have. There's no leadership and this really should be uh, somebody in the embedded in the White House is just a serious macro brain that doesn't doesn't mind going, you know. Well, they have everything else, of, right? They have yeah. They, they have the Federal Reserve and they have, which I have issues with and so does most people, but they have all these other areas, the energy and but they haven't figured out that technology is running our tech. Companies have. They have the CIOs and things, but they haven't figured out that this is kind of the whole future, guys. Well, they probably have, but they just aren't doing it. Uh, maybe they don't want to because they can. If as soon as somebody gets in there, I'll mess up that industry. Yeah, well, interposing in the ability to have, um, you know, as I mentioned, the evolution of this thing is like digitizing everything, and you know, having essentially, you have everybody identified, you have everybody, everything, you know, like even a piece of land. Um, we'll get it. We can get into security tokens if you want, but essentially. Um, that market's worth trillions. Who's leading the digitizing of everything on a blockchain? Because that's not in, in, who's leading it? Well, appears to be a transnational effort. I'll leave it at that. You have a lot of guests. You can, <laughs> I'll, I'll let your guests go into that one. Oh, um, well, you it's think not, it's, uh, it's the... It's not government, yeah. It's not government. It's the the, the power brokers. The... Sure, same people. And managing the earth for thousands of years, so... Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's those, I think that's kind of how things roll down and then you have governments and <laughs> things yeah, like that. Yeah, I know. Well, um, 
Let, we could talk forever, and I'm going to have you back on a regular basis because this is absolutely great. I, I, if you don't mind coming back on a regular well, no, basis and, uh, and, to, yeah. and start educating yeah. people and connecting the dots on all these things and having a really good conversation about technology and how it's all related because I, I really I think we have a lot more to dive into and AI and how it's related to blockchain and how all this yeah, stuff what, the, what putting, the Fed's doing with coins and you know crypto yeah, putting and, that and all AI. together for people yeah. um, let's have you back soon and um, will you stick around for my patrons oh absolutely yeah anytime as much as you want Taking a little break, just a little bit of a break, and uh, I'm gonna go into it in just a second with Sarah Westhall, just in a moment. First that we begin with the growing
Here it goes. Finally. We finally found it. Here we go. Everything is so drastically different from what we thought history uh, sh uh, should have been. The, the artifacts are such a mismatch to the theory we were told in school that everything has been amazing. The more we see, the more we feel that we don't know enough. <laughs> Tartaria as country, which, I mean, people in the West haven't even heard about, and this was the biggest country uh, on the globe just a couple of hundred years ago. It oh, is wow. on the old maps, it is uh, in the historic books, it, it has its uh, lineage of kings, it has everything. It, it, have you heard about plasma energy and all the amazing healing potential it has? Many have experienced how plasma energy can help your body. Recent university tests have shown the effectiveness of balancing plasma energy and putting your body back into biological balance. Tests have shown success in lab animals and human beings by, by altering conditions of cancer, AIDS, diabetes, malaria, Ebola, E. coli, high blood pressure, brain issues in adults, and children, and many other imbalances in the body. Learn more from Dr. Paul and researcher Lynn Schmaltz and how they are using plasma energy to help people benefits that a lot of people aren't aware of. So the link for that free summit is below as well. Uh, present the content in a better form. That's how I started uh, adding my own content. And then I was getting more views than expected, and I was contacted by various researchers. And uh, before I even know it, we started going on expeditions. And this is how it all developed. It's just so amazing. And you realize that a lot of the English world was not, did not know things because if, unless it's translated, we're not going to know about it. Yes, um, Russia is uh, quite a different uh, world. It's another place. There is uh, this barrier now. They're trying to make it even higher, this wall again. I can see this trend in politics, and sadly, this stops the flow of information. Yes. I still uh, take a lot from Russian sources. I keep an eye on the alternative uh, history research over there and I try to select the best and uh, present it together with the things I discover on expeditions so now I do both of these things. Well, what were some of the first things that you discovered that really started to pique your interest? Um, you mean discovered as reading the work of others? or Yeah, discovered... just in general. What it... Well, I want to talk about what you've been finding in the field because that's really historic. But what were some of the first things that you discovered that was like, wow, this is really different than what I thought? Um, in terms of field research, everywhere I went, even from the very first one in Spain, it is, uh, everything is so drastically different from what we thought history uh, sh uh, should have been. The, the artifacts are such a mismatch to the theory we were told in school that everything has been amazing. The, probably the most amazing things uh, are the 
amounts of uh, rocket ruins. This this complex that uh, spreads all around the Mediterranean Sea and in Asia Minor. This has been housing many many millions of people, and this civilization doesn't even exist in the mainstream history. Probably the most shocking out of everything is the amount of ruins which lay abandoned, overgrown, unstudied, neglected. The locals use them as cellars, as uh, even they're not much interested in, in Turkey. The local people have around zero interest uh, in, in these ruins, although it's just there everywhere. I mean, their villages are on them or in them very often. Uh, in Italy, people have some interest, but uh, it's, it's, it's minimal. Everything is very overgrown. I came back from Italy just a week ago. It's just blackberries all over. And it's um, so many thousands of rooms. When we go out in the fields where there is no path, only the mushroom pickers still have some paths in, in these wild areas. It's everywhere we turn its rooms and these streets, rocket streets, via covers. They're just, we, we barely need to search for them. It's wherever we go. And sometimes when we get lost on the road or something, we find even more. <laughs> wow. And what is it pointing to? There's, there's whole civilizations that we didn't even know about? Yes, um, there is no official name. I call them the civilization of the rock cutters or the nature people. They definitely have a consistent style spreading all the way, even from Japan. The most uh, eastmost parts, even in Japan, we see their style. <clears throat> they may seem um, somewhat primitive and uh, like something that any simple people will make. But when we carefully look, they have um, specific borders. Uh, they have like shape of the rooms and the way they make their streets, also the vehicle tracks, which don't make much sense to us. They have their peculiar style, which are not just by chance, you know, some grotto made by simple people. So it is definitely a, a civilization, yeah. Well, wouldn't you say, too, with ruins being for, so old that they they break down and they start to look more simple, but if you actually had them in its original form where they had the coverings and everything, it, it would have looked a lot different. Yes, that is another point. Yeah, definitely. And uh, this is one thing uh, we noticed more and more in Italy this time, that we are not sure how it really looked like. Um, all these via covers, it means streets. Uh, literally, it means um, excavated streets. But we're not sure anymore if they're even streets anymore because we walked a lot in them. Um, they're uh, pretty... Uh, sometimes it's uh, almost impossible to walk on them. Like the sides are very well smoothened with uh, tool marks, machine marks, and chisel marks. So they knew how to make a straight surface. They were quite skilled. And yet uh, the ground level, it's just uh, left so rough, you, you can barely walk there. 
and there was slight rain, it was becoming impossible to walk. I mean, you need like, uh, let's say, 15 minutes to pass through 100 meters of uh, such road. I mean, what kind of road is this? We thought this is not road. <laughs> so what were you thinking it was? Uh, the more we see, the more we feel that we don't know enough. <laughs> this is uh, every time we, we try to put some sort of uh, hypothesis together, there is something against it. Well, it. Most likely they were roads. Certainly some parts, I mean, most definitely look like roads. But that is like for 30 meters. And then those stone bumps start. And you, you wonder, is this really a road? Was were, Sometimes we thought there must have been wood on the top, but they're so bumpy and so tilted. How can you even put wood on the top of it? It doesn't make sense. While at the same time, the sides, the walls are dead straight with uh, elegant windows, everything very precise. It's just puzzling from all sides. What well, do you the more we see it's more puzzling. The more we see more puzzling. Sorry to have interrupted you. No, no, no. I'm you're I'm interviewing you. So the question is, just like with the pyramids, do you think that over time people might have taken the more perfected stones and then it, it became like this mismatch of perfection and not because or the or an older or a newer civilization that didn't have the skill came and did something to it. Uh, uh, in some cases, yes. In the cases of the Via Cavas, definitely not, because uh, it's uh, there is nothing to take away. It's a rock cut passage, mm. and you can see the style of cutting. Yeah, there are two distinct styles. They were. Uh, deepened at some time, uh, at, at some point of time, <laughs> we were laughing because at, at places they're like 30 meters deep, the road cut into the rock and goes on and on and on. It's so deep. And that wasn't enough. You can see with a different style cutting, they made it even deeper. Wow. <laughs> 35. <laughs> 30 was not enough. <laughs> well, how old do you think that civilization was? Yeah, very, very good question. Extremely good question. And um, you see, the tooth stone in in which these passages are cut is very soft. So on one side, one wonders, uh, can this really be even one or two thousand years old? Because it, it it's so soft. Uh, again, some people in the group were saying, this is not stone. This is like mud. I, it, just falls apart and how can you have any tool marks visible on the sides if it is so soft some argued that it can't be even thousand years old <clears throat> well that's on one side but at places it's soft at places it's harder um, about the age what we can say for sure it definitely looks like that the stone when they were working with it when they were cutting these passages and also the thousands and probably even millions of dwellings around them <clears throat> this thing was soft this what is now uh, tufa stone okay it's soft stone but it's still stone was not stone at that time. We saw the marks 
they were left when the surface was softer. Now, if we um, assume that modern geology is correct and scientific, these tufas will be, I don't know, five, ten million years old, you know, we always talk in millions, or in some cases they will be more moderate, just a couple of hundred thousand years. It's always very, very old. I personally don't believe this is at all true because we found a log of wood. We found the wood that has been trapped into this tufa powder from which the tufa stone uh, hardened. And uh, we examined that wood and we saw the exactly same thing as turkey, slightly petrified on the sides, but inside it was very soft and very fresh. So if this uh, tufa stone was indeed millions of years old, this should have decomposed, rotted, petrified, uh, whatever, disintegrated very, very long time ago, but it is very, very fresh. And the same, as fresh as the same uh, pieces of wood that we found in Turkey, again in a tufa stone, which is, I don't know how many millions of years old, allegedly. So I don't believe all these tufas are uh, very, very old. And uh, from what we observed, I can say for sure that all this was uh, cut when the tufa was soft. And my overall impression is that, um, not that the earth is young, I'm not uh, hinting towards that. I think as the different uh, historic theaters, uh, the, the scenes for the various civilization are being set by the, the, by the keepers of time, by the angels, they just uh, fashion the earth anew. Uh, with uh, all what we call uh, natural settings. They make everything new for the new people to come. And I think this uh, happened very recently. I, oh, I think the earth was refashioned uh, very, very inter uh, recently. I was not looking for such clues, neither in Turkey nor in Italy. But when we see the logs of fresh wood, we just uh, investigated it and uh, um, again, I'm going even into geology, which wasn't my intention, but when one finds things, and uh, moreover, when I see that uh, we find the same things in Turkey and in Italy, it uh, it starts, uh, uh, yeah, it, it starts well, I, to have I, some meaning for me. Well, I've talked to people that have found quarries that are 100,000 years old. Now, are you running into that same kind of thing where you're seeing civilizations that are much older or um, you ran into a civilization that we haven't even tracked and you don't think it's that old, which is amazing, you know, a couple thousand years old. But have you also seen things that must be 100 or 50,000 years old? About dating, I'm uh, uh, not sure about anything anymore. I'm not even sure that our way of perception of time and our way of counting time will be even applicable for the older times. 
even about that, I'm not sure because we have reliable sources. These are the past life regressions. They have been proven to be the most reliable source for historic information so far, although nobody's doing a proper study, but still some pieces of information surface here and there. And many, many people say when the regressionist asks them, and when was that? Many of them will say, but our counting was not applicable at that time. How can I tell you if this system, this uh, uh, way of time flow uh, is not, not there? You know, the oh. reference point is different. So I'm sure it was uh, different, maybe even a couple of thousand years ago. Uh, who knows? Maybe even... Uh, at the time of Atlantis, I don't know if at the time of Atlantis and Lemuria it was still the same time flow. I really don't know. And I was lucky to be with uh, very intelligent people in this uh, expedition in Italy. And it was, uh, they really added so much value to my soul and being when we were discussing things. And uh, even we, we're not sure anymore about this soft stone. This was a, like a big mystery because we were seeing everyday things about this. So maybe the full earth was quite different. Maybe it was kind of... Uh, the, salt, the stone was even softer at that time. Like in general, like things were different. Maybe more etheric. Maybe uh, because the consciousness of the people was a different level. So maybe also the natural environment was different. And this is not so radically different. For example, some people, even uh, mainstream uh, scientists, they say, for example, the, the dinosaurs, their, their heads, their necks, they were so heavy. If the Earth's gravity and the entire way the, the Earth was set was like now, they, they wouldn't be able to support so much weight. So... Um, we are talking about an entirely different world. So maybe it was entirely different even one or two thousand years ago when these stone dwellings were made. Hmm. Well, what do you uh, think? Just, go, go. Well, now, where do you live now? I live in the central Europe right now. Central I live by the edge of, of the forest, of the forest on the fringe and on the fringe of the society. I'm a bit of an unusual person. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. Oh, but I'm just wondering, are you, you? did you grow up in Russia? Oh, no. I, I happen to know Russian by chance because I'm a Bulgarian myself. I grew up in Bulgaria. Um, that's where I spent my childhood. I, I left home when I was 17, and then I traveled just all the time for many, many long years. And recently only I settled here in central europe now in bulgaria by birth it's it's fascinating because you've looked at so many parts of the world and are seeing so many different things that just don't make sense to what you know we've been taught in history but one thing that you said is you know like the russia you know russian and they have a different view of their history can you explain kind of some of the view of their history and how it differs from maybe the western view um, I'm talking about the alternative history. The That's mainstream the history is, uh, was was same. But uh, one thing in, in Russia now is that um, they have slightly more freedom of speech. 
and they're uh, allowed to know a little bit more about the history compared to the Western people. It's, it's a very slight difference because now the full world is governed by the same party. It's not that Russia is some sort of exception or that their um, politicians are better or anything. But still, even if they are allowed, let's say, 2% more freedom of speech and uh, a bit more information is released to them, even that is, you know, in the kingdom of the blind, <laughs> the person with one eye is, you know, exactly. Um, so, so the different, yes, yeah. So what? What? Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you up. I wanted to know what are some of the that two percent. What is that that they're seeing that we don't? Uh, for example, even openly on TV and established um, uh, historians, they admit at least at least that uh, all this story about Genghis Khan is a hypothesis. They haven't openly said, okay, it's, it's, it was a big lie, but at least that uh, they're uh, accepting that, oh, it could have been or maybe not, while um, decades ago it was uh, preached as, you know, the Holy Bible and undeniable truth, although it, it is backed up by uh, zero artifacts or proofs of any type. This is one example. Oh, also, I, I saw footage um, of uh, putting even mentioning Tartaria as country, uh, which, I mean, people in the West haven't even heard about, and this was the biggest country uh, on the globe just a couple of hundred years ago. It oh, is wow. on the old maps. It is uh, in the historic books. It, it has its uh, lineage of kings. It has everything. It, it, uh, its flag, its um, a coat of arms. It's uh, there in the old uh, books, but we never hear about it because uh, that government was the last one to have some connection with the old and truthful way of life. I'm not saying they were the good people, they were the angels, they were the aliens or something, but they had a bit uh, of memory of the old times, of the old history. Uh, they were uh, still living somewhat in line with the uh, uh, angelic way of uh, the our predecessors uh, respected. They did not want to convert to the dark side as as soon as eventually it all eroded from inside and they were defeated. But the people in the West have never even heard about this. If, if uh, they open um, Wikipedia or something, this will be listed as a geographical area, which is obviously a lie because it is listed as kingdom. What is it? What is the name of that country, and where is that country today? And you know, what is it today? Um, initially, it was spread on all continents at the time when countries started to exist, because before that there were no countries in the way we understand them. Countries are just artificially created to make people kill each other. Yeah, suicidal wars. That's the purpose of having countries. But when it was unavoidable to have a country, initially uh, it was uh, covering uh, parts of uh, North and South America, all of Europe, most of Asia, more or less um, all points of the civilized world. 
parts of Africa, the more civilized parts of Africa, everywhere, and gradually they broke it into pieces. The last uh, uh, pieces who were not defeated, they were in Siberia. Um, but I wouldn't say this was the place of the country because it was a worldwide uh, thing. What was the name Just of it? In, in the Western sources, it was called Tartaria. That's how it is mentioned in the European historic books. Uh, we don't even know how the local people called it because they embarked on such a genocide that um, they were literally killing and torturing everybody who would um, uh, even talk about it. Wow, and it was only a few hundred years ago when they last snuffed it out? Yes. Yeah, and uh, the exact year is uh, the year in which uh, U.S. was uh, created as a country. Uh, they rushed uh, on territories of the uh, of Tartaria. Uh, it did not gain its independence from England. They just rushed in to, to uh, how to say, because they were uh, territories without king that were vacant and they created us in a hurry oh interesting okay and what have you found what else have you found that is different that two percent knowledge that um that we may not know about uh these were like the main examples of uh, things that uh people in the English-speaking world don't know about. Another thing which is gaining popularity is uh, something very obvious and something that many of the listeners will be even able to observe tomorrow if they wish to, that many cities built in this uh, so-called neoclassical style, their buildings are buried in the ground at places even two stories high without any official explanation except cultural uh, what how they call it uh, cultural layers i mean people didn't sweep their streets <laughs> and it piled up to, to, to four meters five high in 100 or 200 years and uh, many people started noticing this first in russia now there is also worldwide recognition about it and this, this needs to be investigated i mean it's uh, it, it is very interesting how come these buildings are buried and nobody remembers anything although it was so recent this is a very good question yeah and are you seeing that everywhere all over the world um oh it is definitely all over Siberia, um, Europe, and North America. I have not received reports from other parts of the world. And it's not everywhere. Uh, some say it was a mud, mud flood. They suspected a big tsunami. Uh, but now it becomes clear because more and more people submit data and they try to figure out what's going on. It wasn't a tsunami because it's more selective, as if this it's it's clay. These layers are clay. It's uh, yeah, it's just basically pure clay. Sometimes when they dig, you can see there is soil like uh, 
fertile soil black and then two meters of clay and then again a little bit black soil which has been formed for the past 100 or 200 years. This thing happened some let's say 200 years ago uh, and this uh, mud it must have come from the skies because it, it wasn't a flow if it was a flow it would fill up the valleys we don't observe that it's uh, more like selective some places are covered others are not yeah interesting it is yes yeah and there is plenty of uh, images and uh, proof there's no shortage of proof something else very very interesting is uh, the young forests in siberia very very large parts of uh, russia they have no old trees all the trees are maximum 200 years old that's when you know this entire region was refashioned that's uh, that goes hand in hand with the buried buildings yeah so something happened that uh, annihilated all vegetation some 200 years ago that's for sure Wow. Okay. And how about um, different parts of the world, like uh, Ant Antarctica? Have you heard or learned anything about that area? Never done any research. I've never been there. <laughs> so no. Okay. That's okay. That I love the fact that you're saying I don't know if I haven't been there. That's that tells me a lot. Um, what other interesting things have you seen that people may not know about? I mean, because this is just fascinating for me. I'm just sitting here learning as you're telling me things and thinking about it. I'm just, you know, giving people new things to think about that they haven't heard before. Um, well, I haven't been to Antarctica. There was this interesting map I show in the episode about Antarctica. Now the map maker's name is, escapes me. But it shows it um, as uh, not a frozen continent. It shows the mountain ranges exactly as they are seen by uh, penetrating uh, uh, radar images now, radar imag imagery mm -hmm. equipment nowadays. So uh, people are asking themselves, and it is a historic map, a couple of hundred years old, how could have they known? And those who raise the question, they always uh, go into, okay, the old civilization, the old advanced civilization had, you know, advanced technology and they could map. And not only how could they see below the ice, but also how, how could they do the coordinates if they didn't have a sophisticated mapping uh, uh, system. So it's, it's a mystery from all sides, well, you know. One thing yeah. I heard about those maps is at some point somebody was able to map that out and then the map maker, makers were just copying it. So the original of that was mapped by somebody, but it could be thousands of years old. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, the usual perception, but uh, I, I tend to, 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 to go into other direction now because the imagery as shown on that particular map is very recent is not if it was mapped as they say 12,000 years ago the world was uh, the shorelines the, the continents were different that time we have proof about that not mainstream also other proof you mm. know uh, 
so it was recent. It was very, very recent, this map. And I think um, that when the climate got cold, it, it happened at the time, uh, this uh, 200 years ago event. That's for sure, because in the Middle Ages, it was much warmer. That is undoubtedly by, by all sources. Maybe before that, uh, that continent was not frozen as well, and they could simply map it. And as far as why it was advanced mapping, well, there were uh, many advanced people in many ways um, all through the Middle Ages and uh, all, at all the time of history. It wasn't like uh, savages and now we are becoming advanced. No, there were always groups of very learned people. So I think that that particular map most likely it was made very recently because the continent is frozen since uh, uh, maybe a couple of hundred years. But I'm, I'm not uh, absolutely sure about it, but this seems the most likely explanation at this point to me. Your views and the views of the people that you're doing expeditions with are very different than mainstream <laughs> views. So how are you being received? By whom exactly? By the public, you know, by mainstream. Or even do they even bother with you guys so you don't really get to see it? Oh, um, uh, mainstream, I don't really get the scientists who come, who come forward and try to argue with me. Uh, this, this has never happened to me. One of the obvious reasons is that I simply disable all comments on my videos. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but even if, um, actually, they, no, I now remember I had two or three cases when somebody claimed to be a scientist. That was in the very beginning when the comments were still enabled. But uh, I don't know if they were really what they claimed to be. They, they said they were, what they were writing was just uh, silly. Yeah, sometimes they, yeah, they get silly instead of having something productive. One thing I learned about the United States, you know, North America, is that there were a lot of developed structures here in North America that have been covered over or destroyed. Have you been able to go to North America and see original structures? Um, how, how old are we talking? A few hundred years old or from the time of know. the Maya, Mayas or what kind of style? Just older than... You know, North America, it's it's almost like they teach us that nothing was here except nomads, you know, people traveling, the, the Native Americans were just traveling in groups, right? But no, there were actual a lot of structures and buildings and cities. About North America, I've never made expeditions there. I lived myself almost a year in Denver a long time ago, but at that time I was not into historic research, so... I don't have any field experience over there. I can say only theoretically that uh, the continent was uh, always in connection with the old world, with uh, Europe, maybe not uh, very close, but definitely regular connections. Uh, the Roman style aqueducts and other buildings were there, not many of them, but still they were. Uh, and then if we talk about more recent stuff, I just can't remember all the names, but I show this uh, 
monuments in neoclassical style. They have uh, images of the time they were allegedly built, but what we see is that they repair older structures. Mm. And I uh, suspect they belonged to this... Uh, civilization is not the right word, maybe the um, culture of these people we very mistakenly classify as neoclassical. Because in Europe and in Russia, most definitely uh, people have found independently many proofs that uh, this type of buildings were buried. And then when they excavate them and clean them, as they go, they also make up the story how this and that person actually built them 100 or 150 years ago. But uh, when we see the... Uh, photos of their alleged construction, it is as clear as daylight. They are repairing old stuff. They are excavating it. Mm. So well, uh, the same is in America. It's just not what we think. Well, why, let's let's talk about this Genghis Khan thing a little bit. That the story they they're starting to think that Genghis Khan might have made more of a myth. Why, why the myth? What are they thinking? Why was the, what was the point of the myth? Um, there was an invasion. Europe was conquered, but uh, it was by these Tartaria people. Uh, I don't know if Ging they surely had some sort of leader, and that would be Genghis Khan. But was he Mongolian? We don't. Not, not very likely because Mongolia is very recent formation. Of course, Mongolia was part of Tartaria, so it could have been. But this confusion about Mogul and Mongol is the is the trick they do. They were Mogols, which that is the name of the Tartarians. Which even now, Mogul means influential, strong person. And at that time, even mainstream sources confirmed that. Mogul at that time meant that, not Mongol. And it is a completely modern fantasy to com to confuse Mogul with Mongol. Mm. So there was an invasion, and it was these uh, Tartaria people who were uh, trying to uh, cut off this parasitic contag contagion, with, which was like uh, getting worse and worse around Rome. and all these uh, uh, probably hybrid species which were introduced to pollute the gene pool and uh, probably the Tartaria people wanted to put an end to all that. That's why they invaded Europe and uh, held it as a province for whatever, a couple of hundred years. When they were driven out, they were planning to invade again. So um, there, there is a lot of truth to that invasion, but it wasn't by Mongolian people, which is uh, ridiculous. These are the most peaceful people on earth. They, they cannot uh, gather military. There are so few of them. It's such a small population. Uh, yeah. Well, that's just fascinating. What do you think about all the pyramids that they're finding all over the world? Yes, I I don't have any uh, information that 
will be particularly new to the listeners about the, the pyramids. Do you, uh, in the other expeditions that you're going on, you know how the pyramids are all, or different structures are all on different ley lines? Are you finding any patterns when you're going out there and looking on your expeditions and these new structures that you're finding? Are they also built on different ley lines and earth lines that might have more meaning? Now, uh, these ley lines and uh, earth lines, they are a bit, uh, a, a bit difficult to, you know, prove how, where are they exactly. And when I see the sources available to them, they take lots of things as being uh, underlying undeniable truth. And I don't know what are the sources for that. So I just don't uh, do any research on that since I don't have any grounds for it. Oh, that's fair. Okay, I like that. I like that answer. Even though I wish you had an answer, I like the answer. It's better than... I love it when I talk to people that say, I don't know because I don't trust the source. That means that, you know, there's more to it, what you're saying. Uh, now, have you traveled through Russia? Very little, just in my childhood. Just a couple of weeks, that's all. Where do you focus more of your expeditions? Oh, mostly Italy and Turkey. That's where the rock cut ruins are, and they're really, really abandoned. Nobody studies them. <laughs> it's it's just amazing how they're overgrown. And um, in Italy now I visited regions which um, I saw first two years ago. And I see how in two years these bushes of very thorny blackberries have conquered lots of territory. <laughs> And the ruins are much less now. <laughs> so it just, it's just so quick that they can be covered up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. So now these ruins, you, you said there was millions of people that were living in this, and they're not even in our history books. Um, partially they are. Like in Italy, they will say they are the Etruscans. In, in Turkey, they will say, oh, yeah, it was Lycians or whatever the tribe lived there. But this is obviously very, uh, surely partially true because they were used by all the cultures. Even nowadays, people live in them. So all this that they say, Etruscans, Lycians, or whatever, surely they lived there. Did they make them? Mm, we don't know. So, uh, and if they were as simple as they are telling us, they then how come they had unique style of uh, vehicles that left the same tracks everywhere? It means they were very much connected. And how, why did they have same style of house making all the way from Japan, China to, to Spain? This doesn't explain. It, these were the simple tribes uh, they're telling us they, they shouldn't have traveled so much and it's there are also these tunnels all the way from england to turkey they're telling us i think they are much even all around the world so what these simple tribes made them as well these are underground tunnels quite quite a lot of them entire network entire network of tunnels what do you think that they did with those it's just to yeah, what did they do with those networks of tunnels? And they go from, <laughs> they go across Europe. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, uh, um, I, I have no clue. 
if you want me to guess, uh, some of them would be from even older civilizations. Some of them could have been used for uh, pneumatic transport. We don't need sophisticated electronics for that because they are like very round uh, and um, are they big? You, you can. Yeah, some of them are very big. Others uh, are so narrow that a human cannot pass through them. Very good questions. How did they make them? I got stuck in one of those. I was with a friend. He was swearing very bad. He was going on and on and on. He was thinking there will be some place to turn. And it was wet and dark, but it was getting more and more narrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. And then you guys could be stuck in there for a long time. You're lucky to get out. Yeah, if you walk like, uh, if you crawl, we were crawling like maybe 20 meters, very slow crawling because you, you can barely, you know, and you cannot turn and you hope to find a place to turn and then it's not there, then going back is the problem. You have to go backwards for 20 meters until it gets wider. Wow. Well, now, but these things go across the entire, like, you know, across Europe and stuff. Now, some of them that are really big, um, how big are they? Oh, there is really big ones in um, Sierra de San Cristobal in Italy. It is a place guarded with armed people. Uh, we we were like our group was split into the, the second part. Uh, I was in the first part. We, we didn't know about these armed uh, guards. We just went to the place and we started walking. It's like uh, na nature. I mean, it's uh, there is no fence or nothing. And the others were stopped by intimidating men with guns. <laughs> so, okay. That is in Spain. Over there you get really, really deep stuff. I mean, shafts, uh, I don't know, dozens of meters deep. It's it's hard, I didn't get to measure them. And the very caves themselves, some of them are a couple of stories high. It looks like quarry, but yet you see lots of rooms mixed that look residential. And yes, uh, now, this same person who, who was with me on the expedition, he went also, also to Sicily and he told me over there he found the same thing and it was locked again. Uh, because in Sierra of San Cristobal, even whatever we could uh, see by chance, that was uh, the, the stuff that was not locked. The, the really deep stuff was locked with, with metal. They won't bars. let people see it. And so nobody even no, knows no. what's there, and it hasn't been researched. Or if it has been researched and documented, it's it's private, secret. Um, we definitely saw pictures and people who have been to the deeper shafts. That's for sure. Some of them have pictures. When we went on the spot, it was uh, getting more and more close. Just the road, the, the very road is closed. There is a big label, private property. And the people with the guns who stopped our friend, they said, get out of private property, although it is not private property. It is uh, bought by the military. They lie to people that it is private property. And uh, for sure, the, the, the bigger shafts, they're disappearing. They're getting blocked. Uh, then this, this person, Kaltepin, he saw the same thing in Sicily also massive massive uh, chambers 
stories high. You know, you, all locked. That's what you can see from the door. And then in Italy, I met a person who told me about the same thing somewhere in Eastern Italy. Uh, he, he was there, the villagers have been there as boys, definitely, they say enormous shafts, all underground, very, very big and deep. Definitely it's there, uh, he, he went to the spot again, it's metal door locked with armed guard. Yeah, this what? is the situation. Where can, this is so fascinating, where can people learn more about your work and what you're doing? On my uh, YouTube channel, New Earth, it's simple. <laughs> also, I have website megalits.org. Yeah, just so, and you can see pictures of all these different things, and and um, you, I hope you'll send me some pictures that I can put up throughout this conversation. Um, oh for yeah, people. plenty of them. And I just thank you so much. You go and you speak. You give some speaking tours and stuff too, don't you? Um, for now, I have not done any uh, uh, video video thing at all. N not in person. I do only audio. Okay. I thought you were doing some tours. Okay. Well, so people can find you on your website. They can find you on your YouTube. And um, I just, I, it's so fascinating to find more and more people like you that are going and saying, okay, what the heck is out here and what don't we know? I just, I love it, you know, oh, really open mind and just saying, okay, I'm going to re-question everything from an open-minded perspective and look at things. It's it's really fun because that's where you can really start to find new and different things. Well, thank you so much for joining the program. I really appreciate it. Oh, it, it was uh, my pleasure and again... I hope you enjoyed that. Check out New Earth and Sarah Westall on YouTube.